If you're listening to this, I know you're wanting to scale your mortgage business. When we did the pre-launch for this show, we started to share with the mortgage community and you reached out to us saying, hey, how do I get on the $100 million journey? We listened and created a series of workshops called the Mortgage Blueprint. We have a blueprint for 25, 50, and 100 million. If you're listening to this, you're probably aiming at one of those goals. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash blueprint to sign up and find out when we'll be in your city. You know, they say the, the first million is always the hardest, right? And I, I think it's the same thing with that $100 million in production. I think that once you get past that, you know, it very quickly escalates. It, it's sort of like it all clicks. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. This is Scott Peckford from $100 Million Journey, Episode 7. This is a new project we're working on, and we're jacked. It's a new video podcast series called The $100 Million Journey. We're going to apply the best of everything we've learned in 100 and almost 70 interviews now in real time and apply them to my business partner's business with the goal of getting her from $8 million a year in production to $100 million. We're going to video document the ups and downs of what it takes. Check it out at ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash 100MDJ. And over the next 12 months, we create two podcasts a month and two videos a month. In this episode, I interview... Andrew Marquis. Andrew is the number 20 top loan officer in the entire United States. He did $251 million in production last year. And he told me that he averages four to five closings a day. So that's actually closings, not leads. It's closings. It's crazy. So I spent a lot of time asking him about his team structure and how he can get so much done. And the cool part is Andrew laid out for me exactly what everyone on his team does, their roles, their responsibilities. And if you really want to scale your business, if it's something that's important to you, you're thinking, hey, you know what? I want to do more business. You really need to check out this episode because Andrew has basically given you a game plan or a blueprint that you can use to scale. I absolutely love this interview. So check it out. And uh, if you if you learn something from this, reach out to us. We love hearing from you. Shoot us an email, message us on Facebook. And we always love hearing from our listeners. So check this out. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I personally don't do B deals. So I decided to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a private lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they're really fast. In most cases, they can give you an answer in two hours or less. So if you're a broker looking for a B deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West and tell them you heard about them on Isle of Mortgage Brokering. They're big supporters of our community and we really appreciate all they've done for us. Check them out at pioneerwest.com. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Absolutely. So um, I went to University of Massachusetts at Amherst here, and I studied business administration with a concentration in finance. You know, I got out of college. I was kind of looking at, you know, your typical sort of mutual fund accounting type jobs when you get out of business and finance. And, um, you know, it was going to be a long path of sort of climbing the ladder over a number of years. And, you know, a friend at the time, uh, this was back in 2002, late 2002 and early 2003, kept kind of recommending that I, you know, get into the mortgage business and give it a shot. So I did, you know, I, I, I started off, you know, making a, a ton of cold calls and sort of started at that level and kind of cut my teeth doing that, you know, really learned sales, uh, learned how to handle objections and, you know, get past rejections and sort of, you know, build up from there. So it was a hard start. Um, but, you know, once we got it rolling, it's uh, it's panned out pretty well. So if you can remember back, when did it actually start to click for you that you're like, hey, I actually, I think I can, I got this. 
Yeah, yeah. So I was at the time I was living at home and um you know it uh every day I would get home I remember and my parents would say, "Oh, how was work today?" and I would just say, "Awful," you know, because literally every day I would make, you know, between 150 and 200 cold calls and you know, get hung up on, you know, probably you know, 90% of the time that someone actually even answered the phone. So it was pretty tough for the first 6 months and then I remember in my 6 months it all clicked and I was like number three in the company in closings that month. And, you know, looking back on it, you know, it wasn't a highly lucrative month, you know, compared to, you know, how things have evolved. But at the time, you know, it was pretty substantial. And I said, hey, you know, I got this. I think I can do this. And, um, you know, no looking back since. So, okay. So cold calling has got to be one of the most feared things for people to do. And I'm sure the dropout rate on people that get started in that start their business that way, they quit. So how did you get through it or what clicked or what, like, was there a different mindset shift? Like, because it's very rare that most people are like, hey, yeah, actually, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anyone successful in this business has to be highly competitive. And so I think it's, you know, it, it does take sales skill, but it also takes sort of that desire to win, Scott. And I think, you know, I just kind of had that passion that I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And, you know, over time, you know, once we started writing loans and doing a great job for people and doing a great job for the referral partners, it's it's kind of like a snowball. You know, it finally gets to a point where, you know, I haven't made a cold call now in probably, you know, 14 years. You know, maybe that was the first year I did that. And, you know, all day long now, you know, my phone rings, my emails come in and, you know, I got your name from a past client. I got your name from a coworker. You know, my realtor gave me your name. You know, my financial advisor recommended you. So it's, you know, it's kind of snowballed to the point where there's so many referral sources that we don't have to, you know, go back to that. But I, I think initially it was very, very difficult, but I think it was just determination and perseverance kind of got me through that. And then, so you're, if anybody's listening, so you're in the Scotsman's Guide and you're in the top 20, you, you do massive production in numbers. And so when did you go and you started in this call center, essentially, or you're making calls, when did you go out and build your, start your own mortgage practice? Yeah, so my career was started off with uh with that, you know, and I was working for a retail mortgage lender at the time, you know, back in the day and I think after a year what I sort of learned was, you know, I was making the company a significant amount of money and what I was getting paid was a a very very small fraction of that. So I actually worked for a mortgage broker from there. Um you know, I signed on with a broker. Uh he had been in the business a long time, like 20 25 years and he was extremely uh skilled with sales. And at the time, you know, I'd actually got my investment advisor license and I was also doing the mortgage brokering, um, you know, kind of wearing both hats. And what I sort of realized over time was I couldn't really do both well because, you know, you would see the the stock market plummet and one side of you would be rooting for the stock market to drop so you'd have lower mortgage rates. But then on the other hand, you had clients calling you asking, you know, why their mutual funds were were down and so it got really hard to do both. So I, I, you know, had to pick a road and I, I picked the mortgage, the mortgage side. And so, you know, as I got bas- busier and busier, you know, I got recruited to kind of a, a larger mortgage broker shop where they were doing a, a ton of advertising and creating a lot of alliances, you know, and I was there for about four years. The name of that company was Coastal Finance based just south of Boston here in Massachusetts. So we had done that for about four years. And then as sort of the regulations and everything was changing in the industry, you know, it became mortgage brokering sort of lost its, you know, its, its value. You know, the programs were more homogenized. The compensation was really based more on volume and not so much on a, on a per loan basis. So, you know, what I, what I sort of evolved to from there was working for, you know, a retail lender that really had the platform to 
deliver all the different loan products, you know, with their own funding, their own processing. And what it did, it just streamlined the process and allows you to create an assembly line where you can write more loans and more units and sort of have all the loan programs under under one roof. So I was at that that company was at Prospect Mortgage. I was there for four years. And then I got recruited over to Guaranteed Rate about two years ago. You know, now I've been at four companies over 15 years, which, you know, I don't consider to be a lot. And I don't see any reason why I would leave Guaranteed Rate unless things change drastically. It's just been by far the best company I've worked for. Right. Okay. So now you mentioned something about assembly line. Uh, So can you tell me how that works? So obviously when you're pushing a couple hundred million in volume, you're not doing it all by yourself. So how does, how's your team structured? Yeah. So what you really need to do is it, it all comes down to specializing each person's tasks, Scott. So, you know, my best use is sales, obtaining leads, working with my referral partners, driving lead generation, and then qualifying and selling the loan. So really, you know, the, the loan application comes in, you know, most of my loan applications come in through our digital mortgage application, which is through my LO website. And the client automatically runs their own credit. It automatically processes their own uh, automated underwriting findings on the file. And then I go in, I audit the file. You know, I call the customer, I validate all the information, the assets, the income. You know, I check over the credit, you know, validate any questions or issues with regard to the credit history. And then I qualify the loan. And, you know, if it's a purchase, you know, we write the pre-approval. I kind of talk to the client about how high they qualify, what programs are going to be most suitable, how the process works from this point forward. Uh, if it's a refinance, you know, it's, it's more about, you know, providing options and solutions for the client right at that time. So I create sort of, I handle that sales aspect at the front end of the process. And then if it's a refinance, you know, we lock the loan. So at that point, I pass it along to my assistant. He actually locks the loan for me. You know, I provide the terms that the clients agreed to. He secures the lock. And then he moves that file down the assembly line. And so where it goes is, You know, he sets it up, he fills in any blanks on the application, you know, he might have to call the client and ask a few additional questions. Uh, And then it goes to a processor. The processor discloses the loan, discloses the loan estimate, has the loan application signed digitally by the customer, collects any loan documents we need from the customer for loan approval. So that would be our front-end processor. And then as soon as that loan gets approved by my underwriter, I do have my own underwriter that underwrites every loan that I write. Um, so it creates that consistency. You know, we, we know what she's going to be asking for in each particular situation. And then from that point forward, the loan gets approved and the back end processor takes that file from approval to closing, clears any conditions, you know, pulls in the title, the insurance, you know, the condo approval, the appraisal, and then coordinates closing with the title company or attorney on that transaction. So it's really just sort of using your time best and sort of focusing my time on its best use, you know, which is really lead generation, selling loans. You know, anytime I get pulled back into the process about a, you know, a missing bank statement or a missing W-2 or, you know, a question about an appraisal, that's really not a great use of my time. So, you know, we want to make sure that the customer is responded to immediately and that our service is never um, anything but world-class. However, um, you know, typically what would happen in those instances, I would loop the processor back in you know, whether it be, you know, one of my girls, Leanne, Stephanie, Kayla, Amanda, and, you know, say, hey, you know, Stephanie's handling, you know, your appraisal. You know, if you have any questions on the report, Stephanie can gladly assist. Um, You know, if there's anything she can't assist with, feel free to reach out to me and then Stephanie will go back, you know, and just try to keep yourself out of that processing, you know, aspect of the file and stay on the front end at the sales, in the sales piece. 
Right. Okay. So I have a bunch of questions that came up when you're saying this to me. So first is how much time do you spend on average per file? Per file? I would say realistically a half an hour to 45 minutes at the, on the front end. Okay. And then how many files would you guys be processing in a month like or, or per year, let's say? So to give you a, like a general idea of what we do for business, you know, we're in the Northeast, so it is very seasonal, you know, in the months of sort of late November through February, there's very little home purchase activity. You know, we have bad weather, we have snow, uh, we have storms, and sometimes that can carry even through March. So a big bulk of our business, I would say 70 to 75% of our business takes place between April and October. You know, we actually just got over, we're about about 110 million in funded loans year to date. Uh, and of that amount, we're at about 93 million in purchase. So it's very, very heavy purchase market this year in 2017. Um, we don't have that many refis just with the rates had kind of ticked up a little bit. You know, so you don't have people looking for a lower rate in payment, but you might have, you know, divorce situations, cash out transactions, switching from an adjustable rate to a fix, those kinds of things. But right now, you know, we're processing about 70 to 80 loans a month. You know, if you figure 20 business days a month, it's probably about four to five loans a day are going into process. Wow. Okay. So, and then how many people are on that team? So you've got the assembly line, you've got you, then you've got the first person who does the, the, the next person, the step, and then who locks the loan. And then you've got a few others. So how many people are yeah. in that chain? Yep, definitely. So the way that we work is, um, so I'm on the front end and then I have two sales assistants. So one sales assistant is highly operational. Um, the other one does a little bit more sales activity where, you know, she'll do some of the marketing, you know, the social media, blast, you know, she'll prepare the open house flyers for the different realtors, you know, various sort of marketing sales activities, you know, giveaways, tchotchke gifts for events that we hold. So she's coordinating a lot of that. So I have the two sales assistants under me, and then I have an operation staff of two pods. Now each pod is two processors, the front end, the back end processor. So that would be four sort of half processors. So four there. They have an operations assistant, Scott, who handles transcripts, title requests, appraisal requests. They can kind of lean on him for, you know, those administrative tasks. And then I have an operations manager that manages both pods. Um, and then she, as the operations manager, she also handles condo approvals. So we have, um, just to circle back, we have three sales and then we have six operations people. So altogether it's, uh, it's nine and then we have one underwriter. So if you include the underwriter, it would be 10. Okay. And how did you come up with this setup? Because I'm kind of mapping this out like a football team, you know, it's like, okay, we got the quarterback and we got a couple people in the backfield. Sure. And so that's kind of how I'm mapping out your business. But then this, did you just kind of intuitively come up with this or did you like, where did you, because it's obviously very efficient for high volume business like yours. It is. Yeah. So guaranteed rate came up with the pod model. So they are the ones that pioneered the, you know, the front end back end processor called the MCLC pod. So guaranteed rate is the one that pioneered that. Uh, in terms of my business, you know, I came over with a sales assistant. I think any good loan officer that wants to increase business has to have a strong sales assistant. What does the sales assistant do for you? Sir? Yeah, so he would be an extension of me. So if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm at a lunch with a referral partner, you know, he can be an extension of me. So I can have him hold my phone. I can have him hold down my email. You know, so if loans come in and, you know, he can speak with the client and potentially lock that loan, Scott, you know, he might lock, you know, three or four loans a month on his own that way, um, you know, where he can convert the client, but he's certainly not as strong as I am on the front end. But, you know, he can answer any questions when I'm out. Uh, and then, you know, when I'm busy locking new loans and I still have continuous inquiries coming in for new pre-approvals or new refinance loans, 
a lot of those I might forward to him to kind of get the ball rolling and get those set up. And then, like I said, he handles a lot of the front end structuring of the file before it hits processing. So he might, you know, I might give him the cliff notes and say, hey, Nick, this person wants a rate and term refinance. Here's the rate. You know, here's the payoff. You know, here's any quirky things about the loan. You know, the client just started a new job. You know, the client, you know, has commission income. You know, client has a second job. Just kind of the the bullet points on the loan. And then he'll go into the actual LOS system, you know, pick the investor, pick the lock, pick the loan term, uh, you know, make sure there's no gaps on the 1003, such as employment gaps, you know, missing properties in the REO section, making sure the declarations are filled out correctly. So just kind of tightening up the file before he hands it off to the processor. And then the processor reaches out to the client with what we require for loan approval. Okay. And then this front and back thing you talked about on the pod. So how does that work specifically? So is there one person who's sort of like the senior and the other person's their assistant or what's that look like? No, that's great. So there's two pods and they both work. So each pod has a front end, which is called an MC, a mortgage consultant. And that front end pod, so I have two of those. So I have two separate pods that sort of work side by side. And they take that loan literally from application to underwriting approval. So their role is to reach out to the customer with the loan application and the loan estimate, you know, answer any additional client questions at that time, request whatever documents the client has not previously provided with their pre-approval or with their refinance application. You know, a lot of times they send me a bunch of the paperwork up front, so the processor will review that, you know, say, hey, I've got everything except for XYZ. Client will transmit that to the MC. The MC will then take the loan, submit it to the underwriter. The underwriter will approve it. Assuming that it doesn't get suspended, assuming that it gets approved, um, that loan then transfers directly to the LC, and the LC would then clear any remaining conditions, any remaining borrower conditions, any third-party conditions, appraisal, title. Which of those two positions requires the more experienced, or are they interchangeable, or can you have somebody who's a junior there? You couldn't really say it that way because they're all really, really experienced. I would say that, in general, there's more pressure on the LC, which is the back end person, because they're the ones dealing with, you know, loans that need a commitment, you know, in the next two days, loans that need to close a week from now. So they have more of the pressure on them. But at the same time, we have a report that we review every day, which shows how many files are still in the MC's lane. And it has, you know, all the dates laid out for commitment closing, you know, what the client has currently completed, what they haven't. So my team lead can review that report every day and say, hey, you know, Kayla, here's a loan that's in your lane. And, you know, this is scheduled to close on June 30th. You know, what's going on here? But I would say in general, I think the LC position is a more difficult position just because of that back-end pressure. And that's where things can fall apart at that point, right? If, if exactly. If the wheels will come off. Yeah. And honestly, like they don't, they don't really come off. I mean, we have such a strong team that they really, really don't. And I mean, when I was building this thing, Scott, I, like I'm super picky about who we've hired on. So everyone on our team is just really, really strong. You know, I'd rather, you know, slow and methodical and have the right people than just hire on a bunch of people and then deal with the consequences later. So it's mm-hmm. been a, a slow organic growth, but it's it's worked really well. The other thing I was going to say, too, about the pod thing that works really well is when you're specializing like that and you have one person doing front end, one person doing back end it takes away the peaks and valleys in your in your business. So constantly that MC just keeps putting in new loans. You know, it's not like where you have one processor handling the whole process. And so 
they end up getting stuck at the end of the month, putting all these files into closing because we're so per heavy purchase oriented. And then they can't put in new loans. So they get stuck, you know, for the last week of the month, just putting everything into closing. And then they're behind the eight ball with all the new loans they got to put in at the beginning of the next I month. See. Whereas the MC just continually keeps putting in new loans and the LC just continually keeps closing loans. So, you know, like we have in the next 10 days, we have about 45 closings. And I was looking at the report just a few minutes ago, and we already have 26 of those in closing right now already. So there's about another 19. And as we were on the phone, I just got another clear to close. So it's, um, you know, it's just a matter of continually moving those files down the assembly line into the closing position. I think we have 15 closings next Friday on the last day of the month. That's awesome. You know, it's re really important to stay on top of all this. Yeah. Okay. I have one one other question just because I want to understand the, when you say front and back, what makes the distinction? Is that pre before it's been approved or committed? Or is that just like what point does it switch from that front? Pre and post underwriting approval. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what, that's what I was thinking. So then once it's been approved, then this other person kind of takes it to the finish line. That's exactly right. So I want to talk about like leads now. So you obviously have a, a killer team. So you'd said you need to feed the machine to keep it running. So what kind of things do you do that have been really working for you to build your network and, and generate leads? Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest way I look at it is, um, you know, it's similar to how I built my team. So I've just slowly built referral partner business over the years. And, you know, what I find is the referral partners, you know, and I'm for a realtor, for example, they just want to know every single time that when that pre-approval is issued, number one, they're getting a prompt response. You know, you're returning their call, returning their text, you know, promptly giving them the answers they need, being strategic. So being a strategic partner and, you know, helping them, you know, kind of give back and help them close transactions that otherwise they would not get closed, you know, through strategies. And then, you know, it's just retaining all those relationships you have. So making sure you say thank you, you know, following up post-closing with the partner and thanking them for the business and then continually adding new new referral partners, you know, and Sometimes it's, you know, you, you can pick up a listing agent on a deal. You know, you do a great job for the buyer's agent. You communicate to the listing agent throughout the deal. You know, they then comment, hey, that was just one of the most seamless transactions I've ever had. And then, you, you know, you got to capitalize on that and say, well, you know, it would really be great to work with you more. You know, could we grab a lunch? Or, you know, it would be great to work with you more. Is there any chance you could refer me your next unattached buyer? You know, and, and I, I find that, you know, we do a really good job, Scott. So once we get, you know, one or two under the belt with the referral partner, you know, we tend to get a high percentage of their business from that point moving forward. So what percentage of your business would be coming from realtors? I would say 50%. You know, a lot of it is still past clients and, you know, repeat business is a lot of it too. So I would say 50%. And then the other, where does the other 50% come from? So uh, other various COIs, so accountants, um, financial advisors, you know, those types of people, word of mouth, but a lot of like, you know, you closed a loan for my coworker, you closed a loan for my father, you did a loan for, you know, just experience and the amount of time I've been doing it, Scott, it just, uh, it's a snowball effect. Okay. So obviously you guys have a tight process and I talked to some LOs and they get a lot of business, but they don't get a lot of referrals. So are you guys being strategic or systematic about how you're asking for them? Or is it just your process is so tight that people are like, Hey, you got it. Like definitely both. So like the company, we have a lot of proprietary things within the company, like drip campaigns and, you know, various reciprocal opportunities we provide to the referral partner, which they appreciate. But also, you know, every time we close a deal, we send a, um, you know, a thank you gift to both realtors as well as the customer, you know, just thanking them for their business. You know, the way I look at it is you've got to reinvest in the business. So, you know, we we look at this like a 
you know, a true business. I'm not an individual salesperson. It's a small company. And so, you know, with every loan we close, we have to allocate a certain amount of dollars to, you know, to that transaction and to furthering the business into the future. But I would say, um, you know, we're, we're constantly asking for referrals, you know, when the time is right, you know, whenever I get a clear to close on a loan, I text message the realtor, you know, with, Hey, your loan is clear to close. Congratulations. You know, we look forward to settlement next Friday and just try to, anytime we get really good news about a file, you know, we try to pass that along to the referral partner, you know, and just, just make them look good. So it's just, you know, it's it, honestly, there's so much we do, Scott, that it's hard to kind of. Yeah, I know. I know we're not going to capture that all of it in this yeah. conversation. So you said basically good news. You're going to reach out to people and that's a great time that you ask for referrals. Yeah. You know, like another example would be an appraisal comes in higher. You know, say we have a purchase and someone's buying the house for, you know, a million dollars and the appraisal comes in at a million fifty thousand. So like on something like that, I would email the customer and say, hey, congratulations. You know, your appraisal came in fifty thousand dollars over the purchase price. You know, and I, I got to say, excellent work to your realtor, Joan, for selecting you, you know, a, a, an undervalued property, you know, and I would CC the realtor. So the realtor, you know, oh, wow, you know, Andrew made me look really good here. You know, just little things like that. You know, that would be an example. Do you have a rough idea of how many realtors you you guys would kind of be working with? on a? Yeah, I would say between 100 and 125. Wow. And so are you in any real estate offices or are this just relationships that you've picked up from, you know, doing a deal? impressing them and then build, starting to build that relationship? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple. So like the whole MSAs and JVs and all that stuff, that's sort of a way of the past. So we don't really have anything formal like that anymore. But I do have, you know, a couple of offices where I work with such a high percentage of the agents that a lot of times the broker owner will have me in to speak at, you know, like a sales meeting. And I talk about like new topics, you know, interest rates, but, you know, new lending programs, new opportunities for them. You know, we're in a very tight market here where most properties have multiple offers, you know, six to 10 offers a lot of times on the property. So sometimes I'll go over like buyer's agent strategies to help get your offer accepted, you know, whether it be waiving contingencies or CCing me on the offer submission to the listing agent. And just, again, just, I try to reciprocate and I try to look at the realtor like a business partner because ultimately, you know, they're the ones referring the business to us and we rely on them for that. And so, you know, some realtors can be challenging, you know, they can ask you questions at, you know, very peculiar times of day. And, you know, you really need to bite your tongue because ultimately, you know, they are our livelihood. And, you know, we have to keep keep track of that and make sure that, you know, we're adding value back to them as much as, you know, they're helping us earn our earn our living, you know. Right. Okay. And and then that's really good. So you said about 100, 125. Is there any realtors like that are sending you 20, 30 plus clients? Is there like a there is. Yeah, there is. Um, I'd have to really sit down and look at it, but I might have, you know, so last year we did about 670 loans. I would so that's, what is that, about 55 a month, something like that. I would say that there definitely are some realtors that I'm getting three and four a month. You know, there's probably five to 10 of those type of realtors. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. But a lot of them honestly just don't have that much business to refer. You know, I mean, an average realtor is probably doing 15 to 20 deals a year and, you know, maybe, you know, call half of them are listing. So that's only 10 opportunities. So if they can give you half, so you really, you know, it, you got to look at that, but no, I, I do have some that, you know, I, I'll do three and four deals a month on average, but you know, those are few and far between. Okay. And then just out of curiosity, so 16 years doing the volume you're doing, doing the units you're doing, did you take any coaching or how did you like 
did you just figure this out intuitively or what? Like, because you, it's, you're in a, you're in a unique spot. So I was like, how did you get there? Yeah. With- no, I mean, I, I haven't done any coaching and it's not to say that I wouldn't in the future just to kind of keep me motivated and everything. I have not really done much of that. I think I've just sort of figured it out over time, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, you know, just, you know, I treat this job like a true profession. You know, I mean, I get to the office every morning at 8, 830. You know, I typically leave around six. You know, that's not to say that I don't get some emails after those hours that I occasionally respond to. And, you know, I typically check in each weekend day for a couple hours just to kind of catch up on emails and so forth. But, you know, I'm I'm here and I'm working, you know, like I'm working really, really hard. I mean, I don't go out for lunch and sit for an hour. You know, I'm eating at my desk while I'm, you know, many times on the on the phone. You know, and I, I think a lot of people, you know, whether it be, you know, real estate professionals in general, mortgage or real estate, or, you know, they treat it like a hobby. And, you know, I don't think they really work a true 50 hours, you know, generating leads and, you know, staying, you know, keeping their nose to the grindstone. And, you know, I really do that. So, right. So you're, you're very self-disciplined. Now you'd mentioned something earlier about how a new real estate agent that you did that was made on the sales side and you reach out to them. Will you actually go meet them or was somebody at, well, your sales assistant, like how does that work when you're, no, I would, no, I would. So, I mean, that's one fault that I have is I say yes too much, Scott, when I should say no, but no, I mean, typically like I will meet with the realtors, you know, I honestly, at this point, I prefer if it's more than one at a time, like it would be better you know, my time is much better suited if I'm meeting with eight to 10 at a time versus one-on-ones. But, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a new realtor and, you know, I, they seem to be um, excited to work together, you know, I'll typically grab lunch for them. You know, I try to schedule the lunch as close as possible to my office. And I mean, like I said, I have a good sales assistant. So if I have to be out for a lunch here and there, you know, I can, I can, he can cover my email on my phone and, you know, not, not let anything slip through the cracks while I'm out. Right. Um, so that's important. And, you know, a lot of times, like if I have to travel to corporate or I, I take a vacation, you know, a lot of times he'll monitor my phone, he'll monitor my email, you know, and then we'll, we'll have a, a call, you know, once a day and kind of spearhead any issues, you know, help him with any sales related situations. But I mean, you have to have balance, Scott, as we know. So. And it's just out of curiosity. So do you get, when you take a holiday, do you actually, are you off because you have a team? Are you able to unplug or do they, do they still? It's gotten so much better over the years. So like, you know, if you went back eight years, it was super difficult for me to like truly unplug. Like I kept getting sucked back into work. And I mean, now, you know, I'm really on vacation. I might take a couple of calls in a day, but it's pretty isolated. And I mean, I'm, I'm away. That's awesome. You know, and I mean, really, like what I usually do is it's more like long weekends, like a four day weekend, like it's not normally a full week, you know, that just tends to be too long, but it, it could be four or five days. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is the last question I want to ask you. So one of the things that we're doing, so out of mortgage brokering, which is we interview top mortgage brokers like yourself. And so we've created this thing called the $100 million journey where I'm taking my business partner from 8 million a year in production to 100. And it's going to take a few years. It's not a overnight thing. But I wanted to ask you, what would your advice be? And we're going to document like everything that I learned and we apply to this $100 million journey. Even from our conversations, I wrote down a few things. One of the things that you had said was, oh, reaching out to this listing agent, right? And say, hey, let's, let's, or doing a gift for both. I think that's genius. Like, you know, that's just a little yep. thing. But so what advice would you give us to, to try to build that $100 million team? Because I know it has to be a team. We don't want to do it. You know, I don't want to make it a one person thing. Sales assistant is the first person. You got to get the sales assistant, a good one. And I mean, you need to figure out where the business is coming from, right? So if you're at $8 million, you're doing about two loans a month, something like that you need to figure out avenues where you can get more business, you know, whether it be realtors. And I think you need to 
you, you have to go in with a value add. You can't go to a realtor and say, hey, send me some business because they're going to say why. You know, you really have to have a strategic plan and a, a value add and a proposition that makes sense for them, you know, because ultimately everyone's out for themselves. And so what my goal is with my realtors, and I've done this with a lot of realtors, Scott, is I meet with them and I say, hey, I work with realtors that do 80 transactions a year. They really don't need me. And, you know, ultimately they tend to spread their business around a lot. What I like to do is take the realtor that does 15 a year and get them up to 40, mm-hmm. you know, or get them up to 50. And so I probably have, you know, 10 to 15 of those type of agents. And so the loyalty level at this point is so high that they would never use anyone else, you know? And so, cause I've, I've gotten them to such a high level and that's really just through, you know, coaching, you know, I say, Hey, this is the way I run my business. You know, I make the sale, you know, you pass that loan to me. You know that when I take that loan, it's absolutely going to get closed, move on and generate more sales. You know, mm-hmm. how can you market more? How can you create more sales? How can I help participate in that? You know, and if they want to do a, you know, a small postcard campaign or some kind of, you know, marketing campaign, then I, I, I offer to help them with that. Like I said, I reinvest in the business, mm-hmm. but you have to go to them with a proposition of how you're going to help them. Otherwise, there's just, there's no reason for them to, you know, and then like a lot of them, what you'll find, Scott, is they may have a handful of, of loan officers, but, you know, eventually, you know, you want to be there as the backup guy. And eventually that other loan officer is going to mess one up. And, you know, if you can pick that loan up and close it, like I do all the time, then, you know, and then you, you, you know, honestly, you call them out on it. You say, well, hey, you know, maybe it, it would have been easier to close this transaction on time, you know, had I been the, the referral from the start, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you win some business over that way too. Right. That's really good. And then one of the things you said when we were talking before we turned on the recording is you said that, because I asked you about the hundred million mark and you said it actually gets easier once. So what did you mean by that? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like breaking through that, um, you know, like, you know, everyone talks about like their net worth and, you know, they want to get to, you know, a million dollar net worth. And, you know, they say the the first million is always the hardest. Right. And I, I think it's the same thing with that hundred million dollars in production. I think that once you get past that, you know, it very quickly escalates. It's it's sort of like it all clicks. Well, you have an assembly line now. So now it's just a matter of exactly. you've, got, you've got an assembly line. It's just like, okay, now let's increase the number of leads and because the assembly line can handle it, right? And then you probably add a second pod once you need that. And you just That's exactly what it is. And eventually we'll add a third pod. And I mean, every day we're doing something, Scott, because it keeps getting busier and busier. And like, you know, what I notice, what I, the way I gauge it is as my time gets thinner, you know, and I start getting more and more chained to my desk with emails and phone calls, then I got to start delegating more, you know, and maybe we add another, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff even that we're not doing that we could be doing and increase our business further. You know, I mean, we have this huge database of transactions we've closed. And, you know, a lot of these people, um, you know, we could be doing a better job following up for refinance business, you know, so that's just one avenue. It's like the the highly successful people in this business are never like taking anything for granted. Like every day they're trying to improve what they're doing, Um, you know, whether it be the process or the lead generation or the time management skills, you know, you're just always adapting to, you know, this ever-changing world and the client base, you know, is changing. Everything's becoming more automated. And so um, you just need to continue to stay up on everything. Andrew, man, I really appreciate your time uh, and all the stuff that you share with us. So where can people find you online? Yeah, so my website is um, is my name with a middle initial L. So it's andrewlmarquis.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-L-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S like Sam.com. 
And, um, you know, that has all my contact information. If you ever have questions or want to send me an email or give me a call, more than happy to chat.